to see all of you here tonight. And uh, it dawned on me, I tell you, time flies. And uh, Miss Rita's surgery is tomorrow. So we want you to pray for Miss Rita. And uh, I want to make sure that I got that right. And uh, yes, so it, it is tomorrow. So let's pray for Miss Rita in a very special way. Also, yes, it's very early. And uh, let's be praying for Brother Glenn. His will be on Tuesday. And will that be early as well? Don't know yet. But let's bathe them in prayer and ask God to touch them in a special way. And uh, I also, it dawned on me, this is the last Sunday of the month of February. And so, uh, Lord willing, we'll start our series back up next Sunday on the Word of God. And if you remember, we started a series, we preached on the Word uh, the Bible as a sword, and then we're going to continue to do that in the month of March. Um, so Wednesday night I've started a, a series of messages on just some principles and proverbs on um, what to expect out of a spouse or what to look for in a life's mate, and I've shared that. Uh, we'll, we'll have a couple more Wednesdays to finish that up. And so, uh, and I gave all the introduction of that, all of that information, not all of it is mine. Um, and so anyway, I will be sharing that on Wednesday. But tonight I want to close out our Home Improvement Month with I think one of the, possibly one of the most effective tools in Satan's arsenal against the home and against relationships and the family unit. And so I want you to open your precious Bible tonight to the book of Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look towards the end of this chapter and, uh, you know, this chapter is a quite a, it's got so many wonderful truths in it. Verse 15 is, a, I believe, a, a tower of truth, but speaking the truth in love. That's so very powerful that we ought to speak the truth, but not just uh, speak the truth. We ought to speak it in love. And um, then the Bible talks to us here about the old man, the new man, and the renewing of our minds. Uh, but towards the end, it's like, it seems like he just starts putting out these principles that he's just overwhelmed with, uh, the Holy Spirit's overwhelmed him with truths to help the reader. And so he comes to verse 26, and I want you to notice, it seems like it's a little out of place from verse 25 up through 17, but of course it's not out of place. But I want you to notice the truth, the power behind this verse. Be ye angry and sin not. So there is a form of anger that's not sin. That's interesting, isn't it? Be ye angry and sin not. So obviously we know by this verse that there's a form of anger that's not sinful. But then the Bible says, and I believe this is when it becomes sinful, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. There's where it starts to become sinful. When you start harboring anger, we are harboring sin, and we're going to preach on this tonight. But I want you to notice verse 27, and this is something else that people don't really think about that goes in connection with this verse. Notice what the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. But then he just gives some practical, you know, all of us, none of us should steal. Look what the Bible says, let him that stole steal no more. In other words, if you did steal, don't do it anymore. But rather, let him labor. So in other words, working. He said, all right, some of you, you've, uh, you've resigned yourself to feed your family. You've been still. And he says, no, don't do that. 
Be contrary, or don't be contrary to the word of God. The Bible says someone that won't work is worse than an infidel. Provide for your family in an honest way. So he says labor for that. So these are just very practical principles that would help all of us to follow. Notice what he says, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. In other words, he said, all right, now you ought to be able to do it and only take care of your family, but there's going to be needs in life. So Christians ought to be people that ought to be ready to give. Then look at this, verse 29. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. And man, that's sobering, that's serious. I mean, think about how many words we say that really don't help anybody. I mean, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty sobering. And, and then the Bible says this, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. Now, there's a couple of great truths that he illuminates there. Number one, we should not grieve the Holy Spirit. But here's a great truth on the assurance of salvation, which we're sealed by the Spirit of God. So that's a praise. But then I believe verse 31, verse 32, tells us how we can grieve the Spirit. And here's the list. The Bible says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, there's that word again, anger, and clamor and evil speaking. By the way, he's talking about all this in this old chapter. So he's leading up to this point that we should not um, grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And then the Bible says, again, it speaks of the word anger there. Then the Bible says in verse 32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now we've just learned the greatest motivation on how to forgive. Why we should forgive is because Christ, we've been forgiven for Christ's sake. So as Christians, you say, well, I just can't forgive. Oh, yes, you can, and oh, yes, we should, because we've been forgiven. The greatest motive to forgive. So when we think about this, he's dealing with anger and, 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 and grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And I want to deal with this subject tonight, the hidden enemy of our homes. The hidden enemy of our homes. The hidden enemy in our relationships. Listen here. It can also be the hidden enemy in a church family. And what is that? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's nothing more than he spoke about in verse 26 and down here in verse 31. It's anger. Now, listen, we understand, I believe this is one of the most effective tools that Satan can use to destroy relationships, to split churches, to devastate marriages, anger. By the way, many people that are sitting in a jail cell today, if they were to be honest with you, where did they fail? They allowed their anger to go too far, and in a split-second decision, they did something they've regretted for the rest of their life. Anger. So on this road we call life, and on this road that we have relationships, on this road that we are going to assemble together as a church family, and on this road, this journey called life, we're going to have marriages, we're going to have relationships. And during these, listen to me, we can't get away from it. There's going to be conflicts. There's going to be hurts. There's going to be sin. We're going to get disappointed. Uh, we're, we're, um, we're going to doubt things. There's going to be bad decisions. Um, there's going to be disappointments. Now, there's no way of getting around that. The Bible tells us that we're a few days and full of trouble. So some people have this idea, well, if I could just get to a place in life, I don't have to deal with anything. You'll never get there. 
Now the reason I bring all that up is because all of these things can lead us to anger. And there's not one person in here tonight, even a child, that does not know what it does not mean to be angry. We all know what it means to be angry. By the way, bad decisions can lead us to anger. Sin can cause us to be angry. Um, doubt can cause us to be angry. Disappointments can trigger us to be angry. By the way, conflicts and disagreements in life normally leads us to anger. So we can't get away from that. So what's important here when the Bible says be angry and sin not? All right, it's not that we can get away from the situations or the triggers that cause us to be angry. So we're going to have to face those things. So here, here's, I believe this is what the Lord's trying to teach us. It's the proper handling of these conflicts. It's the proper handling of these disappointments. It's the proper handling of when we go through hurt. It's the proper handling of when someone we love breaks our hearts. It's the way we handle that. It's the way we handle these conflicts and these situations which will build confidence in each other and will strengthen our relationships. So, on the opposite end of that, if we properly handle, someone says, man, I'll tell you right now, the way y'all handled that, or the way you handled that, the way you handled that situation, what does people normally say after that if it's good? Here's what they say. They say, man, that's been a testimony or that's been an example. What are they saying? They have confidence in your faith. They have confidence in your reaction. But listen here, we've all messed up and done the opposite of that and we have handled things improperly. And what do people say? They'll say, oh my goodness, I just can't believe you handled it like that. So it's all in the way we handle the trouble, the conflict, the circumstance, the triggers, the hurts, the disappointments, and the sin. And by the way, I am not preaching to you tonight because I am uh, uh, perfected it. I'm preaching it tonight for the very fact I need it. But on the opposite, if we improperly handle or we respond with anger and we respond improperly, here's what it does. It breeds more anger. And then that undermines our marriages, that undermines our relationships, that undermines our family relationships in church. What will it do? Here's what happens. When we just can't get over something and we just want to remain angry and we do not take care of that, and I'm going to give you some principles on how we can ask God to help us, to help us to refuse anger. Uh, here's what it does. It starts to chip away at us. It, it starts to erode at our base. And what we start doing is we start staying angry all the time. And here's what we do. We start justifying it. See, all of us are going to deal with things in life that we can respond in anger. And by the way, there are times, obviously, the Bible says be angry. So I'm not going to say to you that every time you respond in anger is wrong. Now, I don't know where that line is, but God certainly says be angry so we can be angry and sin not. For instance, I believe one thing we can be angry about is, I'm going to be honest with you, I hate sin. I get angry uh, at what it causes. 
I get and sometimes if I'm not careful, I'll get angry at the person. We got to be careful there. We got to be angry at the sin. The Bible says we're to be angry, but to sin not. But listen, the way we deal with, with these triggers, with bad decisions, hurts, disappointments, failures. Because look, there's not one relationship that you've not been failed. There's not one. There's no perfect relationship. When two people get married, they're both sinners. And they are both possibly could do heinous things. So we have to understand that. But we also have to understand the way we deal with them makes all the difference in the world. So what are some biblical principles that we find in this passage of Scripture that I believe will help us to deal with the subject of this hidden enemy of the home, which in every relationship is anger? How do we deal with it? Number one, it's very simple, and this is really all I got through the whole night. Here it is. Are y'all ready? This is how deep it is. Y'all ready? You have to refuse it. So, well, Pastor, I just can't say it. That's awful funny. We refuse stuff all the time. Who was it the other day? Um, I can't remember who it was, but um, oh, somebody. He's real big into music. And um, he said, uh, he went up, he, when he goes to his church choir, choir, people in the church, he says, hey, you need to be in the church choir. And he says, if they look at him and say, well, I'll pray about it. He said, oh, no, that ain't even nothing you pray about. That's just something you do. I can't remember who said that. It was Brother Gray. He, yeah, he led the music. And I was like, man, he, so... I've also heard preachers go up to people and say, hey, would you like to serve the Lord? Well, who's going to say no? But you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. So you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, we say, well, we just can't say no to things. We do it all the time. Can I get a witness? So you say, well, I just can't say no. Boy, when somebody makes me mad, I'm just going to let him know it. Wait a minute. You just told me you wouldn't serve in the choir. And by the way, they ain't nobody told me that. I just That's good preaching because he said it at that conference. But I've been in the ministry for 26 years, and I'll be honest with you, I've had people tell me no to good things. Now, I'm not saying they're out of the will of God. They have to get the will of God on that. If someone has a heart for something, and by the way, you know me, I don't like making people feel like they have to do something because I've learned this. If I make you to do it, you ain't going to do it long. It's got to be a heart thing. The Lord's got to lead. But nonetheless, I'm trying to get a principle here. It's funny what we can say yes and no to, and it's awful funny when it comes to spiritual things. Oh, pastor, it's deeper than that. You just can't say no to anger. Oh, yes, you can. Notice the wording. Be angry and sin not. Here it is. Y'all ready? Let not. Those two little words, let not. There it is. You're just you not going to let it. You say No. You refuse it. You must refuse angers. Now, here's why too many of us, including myself, I used me there. I used the plurality of me. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not just preaching to you. Too many of us Christians are willing to accept anger. And here's what we do. And we, we accept it as a, as a justified reaction to a conflict. We justify it. We think, well, so-and-so made me mad. But have you ever noticed, and I I alluded to it this morning in my message, we have never accomplished anything in making a relationship stronger when we're arguing about it in anger. 
Two people arguing, trying to win a conflict and saying angry words to one another has never mended a break. When is that break mended? When somebody's not angry and someone says, I'm going to make peace. And normally when someone says, listen, I'm sorry, I don't want to be angry. I don't want you to be angry with me. And we do what God says, give a soft answer, it turns away wrath. If we will do what God says, then his way is always best because then tempers start to calm down and then we're able to be able to talk. The Lord Jesus said, come let us reason together. It's amazing to me what can be accomplished when two people are reasoning together, but I've never seen anything uh, come together and fix when two people are arguing with one another. And by the way, when we're angry with someone, we're going to absolutely justify our feelings, and we're going to be able to say, well, it's okay, I, it's all right for me to be angry, but we feel we have a right. By the way, I don't think that's the first way we ought to treat a circumstance. So, number one, simply, we ought to refuse it. Let not refuse anger. Here's the second part that I really believe is important. Be angry and sin not. Let not. In other words, here's what he says. Refuse to harbor anger. I heard yesterday that there were a, 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 a set of grandparents. They couldn't stand one another. The preacher was counseling with the grandchildren, the granddaughter, and they were trying to figure out, you know, when the wedding came, you know, and they said, hey, and then she said, oh, no, 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 no. She said, my, my grandparents will not be seated like all the other grandparents. And the preacher looked at her and says, well, why not? She said, oh, you don't understand. They hate each other. They can't stand to be around each other. And, and the young lady started to talk and say, yes, said, here's what's sad. She said, they live in the same duplex. They've blocked off the house. They didn't want to get rid of the house. So one lives on one side. It's like a duplex on the other side, the other one. And one has a, a porch on the front and the other one has a back. And they're never in the same porch at the same time. The one's been built for the one on the one end of the house. and one, So they're never even on a porch outside. I'm going to tell you all something right now. That's a shame if we're Christians. And I believe it's a sin to harbor anger in such a way that we cannot be angry. And listen, we cannot be angry without sinning if we are harboring anger towards others. Let me tell you something about anger. Anger held. If it's held and we're harboring it within our heart, it's like an acid. And you know what it does? It absolutely eats and it consumes the vessel. You say, how do I know that? How many illustrations do we have in the Word of God? Y'all know, um, y'all know Ahithophel? Ahithophel is, uh, is a perfect example of this. Now, some people say, well, I don't know why Ahithophel went out and hung himself. Well, I'll tell you why. He didn't like David. You know why? He had a right not to like David. <laughs> he had done something improper with his granddaughter. I probably wouldn't have liked David either. And so you know what happened in Hithophel. The Bible said he was one of the wisest men. And so when he counseled Mephibosheth, or not Mephibosheth, but Absalom, and he counseled him, he gave him the counsel. And if, 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 if Absalom would have listened to Hithophel, David probably would have been conquered. He'd have been beat. He'd have been destroyed. 
And why? Because Ahithophel had more of a, a greater reason to see David killed because he had a personal hurt that he had done to his granddaughter. Shame. And the grandchild had died because of the impropriety of David and this woman. But this woman was his granddaughter. So instead of just being upset with his granddaughter, I don't know if he was upset with his granddaughter or not, but he was certainly upset with David. And so he counseled, and if, if Absalom would have listened, he would have murdered him. Well, here's what happened. Absalom didn't listen to Ahithophel's counsel. And so Ahithophel was wise enough to know, you're not going to get him. So Ahithophel was so ate up with anger and bitterness, he went out and hung himself. You say, oh, I'm not like Ahithophel. It won't eat me. Oh, yes, it will. When we harbor anger, what is it? What is it worth harboring anger towards anybody? Especially the person that we share our house with. And that we stood before God in the company. And by the way, most people have this idea when we stand in front of a, in front of a church that we're making a covenant with one another. We are. and we're, We have witnesses to that covenant. But do you know that we're really making a covenant with God? And something that Laura and I have been convicted about. We've been reading a book and I've been very convicted because I've done many marriages and I have had... Uh, a young man and a young woman say these vows and there's one word that we say in a vow that we don't talk much about in marriage and it's cherish. I'm going to tell you this right now. You'll never fulfill that vow and cherish your spouse if you're harboring anger with them. Can I say bitterness and anger destroys can I give you two little thoughts about this? Number one, don't be a pursuer. What do you mean, Pastor Mark, a pursuer? That's someone who wants to keep just after and after and after. They just want to keep bringing up an issue. They want to keep bringing it up again and again and again and again. They want to beat it to death and they can't let it go and they just want to keep pursuing after it and, and they do good for three years and then the fourth year comes up, something triggers and the next thing you know, they're back at it again and they're bringing something else up again. And What are they doing? I'm going to tell you what they're doing. They're harboring anger. Now, forgiveness. You say, Pastor Mark, God tells us to forgive, but it is impossible for us to forget. I know it's impossible for us to forget, but God didn't tell us to forget. He's commanded us to forgive. So a part of forgiveness, if we're going to be forgivers, number one, it's going to have to be divinely aided of God to help us to forgive. But number two, we're going to have to make the decision to forgive. And here's one of the greatest definitions of forgiveness. It's not forgetting. It's giving up the right to bring it up. It's giving up the right to keep retaliating with it. It's giving up the right to quit beating somebody over the head with it. It, it, it means to quit harassing someone over it. If you're doing that, if I'm doing that, we've not forgiven and we're still harboring anger. And by the way, years of that erodes and chips away. Now by the way, you might have a godly spouse that takes it. You might have someone, they know they failed, they know they've done something in their past, and they're going to sit there and take it. But I'm going to tell you something right now, it's still eroding even with them. Don't be a pursuer. You say, now, Pastor Mark, you're talking about something now that's impossible. It's not impossible. 
through God in giving us grace and giving us aid and giving us help and, and we asking him to help us not to harbor anger, not to harbor uh, unforgiveness. I'm going to tell you something. The Lord Jesus Christ will do it. The Holy Spirit of God will aid you in not harboring anger. Can I get a witness? He'll do it. So don't be a pursuer. Then number two, don't be a withdrawer. I've ran into both sorts of people here. A withdrawer is just as bad as someone that keeps beating somebody up with it. What's a withdrawal? That's someone that pulls back. In other words, you ever heard of someone that pouts? You ever seen a powder? What they're doing is they're pulling back into a shell and they're filled with, with quiet anger. Quiet anger. This is quiet anger. But then somewhere and someone... Somewhere, you, you mark her down, it's going to come out somewhere because it's in there. Both cases are sinful and both cases are harmful to relationships. So don't be a pursuer. Don't be a withdrawer. Here it is, y'all ready? Just refuse to be angry. Say no to it. Say, Lord, help me. Now, here's another reason why. Could you imagine if anybody has a right to be angry? Our wonderful Savior came to this earth because he loved us. And the very people he was dying for took his life. The very ones he was dying for plucked his beard out of his face. The very ones he loved and was dying for was parting his raiments and gambling over his clothes. The very ones that he was dying for out of mockery put up vinegar to his mouth. Now, I don't know about any of y'all, but that would have made me fighting mad. And boy, we get offended over such little things. Refuse it. Here's our other choice. We sang it tonight. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to what? Anger. I ain't got a reason not to be upset. I don't have no reason to have victory. Oh, no. He's plunged us in what? Victory. Now, if y'all want to sit around and act like losers all the time, you can. But God didn't, God didn't design it that way. Now, I'm going to tell y'all something right now. If, if someone's lost... If someone's lost, then this message is totally different to them. All I can say to someone that's lost, say, hey, look, just try to contain your anger. Because they don't have the same resources we have. We have the Lord. We have His Word. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We have a different option. We have a different choice. It's victory in Jesus. And I say, for your good, my good, for God's glory, that's where we ought to live. We ought to refuse it. Then quickly, I'm going to close. Refuse to harbor anger. Just refuse anger. But refuse to help Satan. 
You say, oh, pastor, I'd never help Satan. You are if you're harboring anger. You say, how do you know that? Well, look at it. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Look at verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Hmm, it's interesting. Verse 27, give place to the devil. Now, I don't believe there's one person in this church tonight, not one person in this building that would say or desire, I want to help Satan tonight. Not a one would do that. Nobody would say that out loud. But when we allow anger to dwell in our hearts, we're giving him a place to work. We're giving him a place. We're giving him a place. It opens the door. I said to the Sunday school class this morning, you do know the devil would love to destroy you and your family and everything good about y'all. Y'all believe that? I do. We live in spiritual warfare. I'm telling you right now, it's evil. I mean, if, we, if God would let us see the spiritual things that's going on here, we'd all be scared half to death. If we could see what's really going on, we'd all be, we'd be scared to death. We, we wouldn't be able to go to sleep tonight. I thank God he doesn't open up that realm to us, but it's there. And I'm not trying to scare you tonight, but just, let's not walk around like with, you know, with our head in the, in the ground. I'm going to tell you all, the Bible, we're in a spiritual warfare here. There's, there's, there's some serious stuff going on. And I, I'm going to tell you this, and I said to our class this morning, I don't care how long you've been saved, I don't care how old you are, I don't care how spiritual you think you are, you better guard your heart because you are susceptible. So am I. If we ever get to the place where they go, oh, no, Brother Mark, I've been saved a long time and I don't have those problems anymore, you're already in trouble. I mean, we got to be vigilant about this thing. And one of the things that we don't want to do is let the devil walk right in our door. And by the way, we give place to the devil. Now, would anybody set a, a, a table up? And, you know, when we, when we were at home, it was me, Laura, Clay, and Kaylee. And we, we ate at the same time every day. And we always had our same. Even to this day, we have our own places at our table. I know where my chair is. I know where Laura sits. I know if Clay's there. I know where the children are. They all sit. We all have a place at the table. I've never seen my wife ever walk around there and set another table at the plate. And I look at her and say, babe, who's this for? I almost set a place for the devil. Nobody would do that. Nobody here would do that. But listen to me. When we let anger go down on our wrath, when we let wrath go down on the sun and we continue to harbor anger, that's what you're doing right there in your house. You're giving him a place to work. By the way, let me tell you why this is so dangerous. Because if we harbor anger, especially towards our spouse and towards people in our family, I'm going to tell you what it does. We start to begin, y'all hit me now, this is the whole thrust of the message. Here's why we give place to the devil. Because we start to justify doing the wrong things. It gives us a reason or it justifies in our mind. Well, I'll tell you right now, they don't love me or they've done this and we stay angry. And next thing you know, you're making foolish decisions. Wow, we've given place to the devil. It feel, Listen to me. Anger harbored up fuels other sins. Fuels... Y'all write it down. If you don't write it down on paper, make sure you write it in the fleshly tablets of your heart. It fuels other sins.
thoughts lead to actions. Anger can lead to immoral. I mean immoral things. Sinful things. Devious things. Why? We justify it. Here's what we say. We have a right. So and so shouldn't hurt me. If so-and-so loved me, they wouldn't have done this. What's it does? It fuels other sins. Immoral. Hey, violent. It fuels violence. Y'all ever seen people get so angry that they actually literally want to hurt somebody? I have too. There's people that are sitting in jail tonight Because they simply refused anger. Thoughts lead to actions. And it all starts with anger, our enemy. So what's the victory? That's it. Refuse it. Let not. There it is. Right. Underline them two words, let not. That's you. That's me. That ain't got anything to do with anybody else. That has everything to do with me. That's a choice I make. Let not. Doesn't say, hey, you're going to live in this world, Mark, and nobody ever going to hurt your feelings. That ain't true. God doesn't tell us that. God doesn't say, hey, when you get married, everything's going to be hunky-dory. Y'all are never going to hurt each other. It's not true. You're not going to be able to live in life and say, oh, you're going to live up and hermit up in a house. And well, I'll tell you what, I'll just live that way, and I won't give myself any opportunity to be hurt or to be disappointed. Well, you're not living the way God wants you to live. Here's the, here's the option. Just refuse it. Let not. Y'all think that's simple. Y'all think y'all wasted y'all's time coming here to hear that tonight? Let not. Y'all ever just get, uh, I mean just, how many of y'all are stubborn? Is there anybody out there stubborn? Would you raise your hand? But you know what I've learned? Most of the time we're stubborn in the wrong things. You notice that? Can we all get stubborn about this tonight? How about we just say, some oh, Pastor, you just don't. You know, I get around people sometimes and I'm like, they can't be that spiritual. But you know what? I believe people are. I've seen people have every right to retaliate and be mad and upset. And, and here's what they'll, and, and, and I'm around them. And they're like, well, I just pray for them. Well, then I'm kind of sitting back, oh, yeah, I know you. But no, I, you know what? I believe they found the victory there. They've let not. They've made a choice. They've gotten stubborn about the right things. And when it comes to anger and responding to situations, we have to get stubborn and refuse to do it. (laughs) There's times I get frustrated. Y'all believe that? And there's times I come home and my wife knows me. And I'm, I'm put out over something and... I'm just frustrated and I'm aggravated and, and I'm this and this and that and I'm just frustrated. And, and, and she's had this talk with me before. She'll look at me and she'll say, no, honey, I'm just going to tell you something right now. She said, I ain't fighting with you today. She said, I can already tell you're frustrated. She said, I can already tell you're upset. And she said, I didn't do it. So she said, you ain't going to take that out on me. And I'm going to be honest with you. She's right. So I have a choice to make. Now, she was dogmatic. She was stubborn and said, hey, baby, I ain't going to fight with you. 
So I need to be spiritual enough. You need to be spiritual enough to be dogmatic and stubborn. And we just say, no, you know what? We're not going to get angry about that. I'm going to pray about that. Here's something else we could do. And this is where I've been living. We could start saying this. And this is what's helped me not to get angry. Could be worse. I mean, sometimes that's all I can say to encourage myself is, well, it, it could be worse. So I say to y'all tonight, don't let the hidden enemy of your home eat you up. Let's fight for our relationships and let's kick anger out the door. Amen? That's a hidden enemy of the home. And God says, let not. So let's refuse anger and let's quit giving the devil. You know what one of the, and I got to quit. You know what one of the saddest things in a church I've ever heard of is when people, and I, I thank God it ain't here and it won't ever be here as long as I'm here because I won't stay here. Y'all ever been in a fight in church where people are scared to death to go to the business meetings? I'm going to tell y'all something right now. The Lord ain't a hundred miles in part of that. I mean, he ain't nowhere near that stuff. He's nowhere near it. Why? I couldn't, I'd be embarrassed to death if we had people visiting our church and we couldn't get along. I'm going to tell y'all right now, it can erode even in a church family. And I thank God we ain't got it here. Amen. We're going to refuse it. We're going to love each other. We're going to pray for each other. And yes, we're going to get on each other's nerves. Let's just be honest. Anybody here ever got on y'all's nerves? Don't raise your hand. But we all know the answer to that. And I know I've gotten on your nerves. And y'all have never gotten on mine. But you know what? Instead of Thinking about all the things, let's just refuse to be angry. Amen. I don't know about y'all. I think we got a pretty good group of people around here. I think the Lord's done some wonderful things around here. And I thank God for y'all and I love y'all. And y'all are all in for a treat tonight. Now, let's close in prayer and then I'm going to share that treat with you. With head bowed and eyes closed tonight, how many of you know, and look, you don't even have to raise your hand, but look, this might hit closer to home to some people than others. You know, everybody's different. Everybody's different. I mean, all of us can deal with anger, and I'm sure all of us have, but let's ask God to help us. Some might say, man, Pastor, this is right up my alley. I mean, this is, this is, right, this is right in my wheelhouse. The Lord is exactly what I needed tonight because I've been struggling with some stuff. Well, then take it as a gift from God and, and listen, just refuse to stay there. Let God have his way.